Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Welcome everyone to Deep Drinks Podcast. Today, before we get started, I have a content warning. Uh, I want to give a content warning for themes of physical and sexual abuse of children and suicide and incest and many other things. Because of the diversity of subject matter, please expect other sensitive subjects as well. I'd like to introduce our guest, Eli Yoders, who is an ex-Amish man and content creator exposing all sides of the Amish church, good and bad. Eli escaped the Amish church when he was 18 years old and spent a long time learning to forgive the people and things that hurt him in the past. Eli is now a passionate Christian, known by some as the preaching truck driver. When Eli isn't making TikToks, he is part of the team at Amish Rescue Mission, which aims to help educate Amish children between good touch and bad touch, as well as offering counseling and support for those who uh, of the Amish church, um, who, who the Amish church has hurt in the past, offering, and also offering safe houses for those who want to leave. With that, I'd like to welcome uh, a very special guest, Eli Yodas. Thank you very anyway. much for having me on. Uh, so thank you for coming on. It's uh, You've just got off. You literally just got off work. Yeah. And it yes. just came in the door when I text you. Um, very excited for this interview uh, because your your story is absolutely fascinating. And I can't wait to learn more about um, the Amish. And also, uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them anytime throughout. And we'll try to get to them. We're going to treat the stream as a bit, bit of a casual stream as if we're two friends catching up at a at a bar drinking some Mountain Dew. That's what we're drinking, isn't it? So do you have yes. a story behind this uh, behind this uh, drink? Yes, yeah. I mean, growing up in the Amish, uh, we were not, uh, not allowed to have those worldly kind of drinks, and we were not supposed to have a lot of sugary items, you know, candy and, and soda pop. And so we got our hands on one one day from a non-Amish friend that stopped by, and it was just one can. It was not a bottle like this, but it was like a short metal can. And I remember mom was saying, hey, you, you got to really take it easy and make sure you share with all your brothers. Now, this is one can and there's there's 10 of us kids and we're <laughs> passing this thing around. And I remember just taking a small sip before I passed it around. And I was hoping it would make it back to me because I, I would call it that that sweet English aroma. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, and then when you left, you got addicted to it. Is that right? Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. We we actually <laughs> a, a few times we actually had had what it was called a Mountain Dew party where we would just you know we drink Mountain Dew and just chat with one another and. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um. So, but I guess before we jump into your story, um, I, maybe you could educate myself and the audience. Like, what is the Amish, and what's the difference maybe between new and old order Amish? Can you give us like a rundown of what, what is the Amish? Yeah, well, the Amish is a, a religious group. And, uh, well, they really actually only existed 350 years in America. But be, because when they came over from Switzerland, they were called the Anabaptists. And then off of the Anabaptists was a group called Mennonites. And there was a man named Menno Simmons. And it's named, the Mennonites are named after him. So thirdly came the Amish because there was a man by the name of Jacob Amon that really wanted to make it his own thing. He was kind of wanting to reject his own people and actually shun some of his own family and his parents and, and got a group together to make it his own. So Jacob Amon, 
Amish is named after Amun, and that is how the Amish were birthed. And since then, there has been just hundreds and hundreds of different splits because they have grown so much in size. And they, they triple every 20 years, they triple because of their large families. So because of the disagreements and because they, they are establishing their own rules. So usually they don't get along with all the rules as they get bigger and bigger and more people are in the communities. So that is why they have the splits. And they totally believe in Jacob Almond's articles of faith. Now, those right. articles of faith were written with a lot of scripture, and but rules. It was works-based with a lot of rules they believe that you should follow and then separate yourselves from the world. They believe that you should not have anything to do with any other people and separate yourselves and be alone. And then God would be pleased if you have those kind of rules and are separate from the world. And that that's really what they do. It's very, it's a very strong religion. And, and, and some people would call it a cult because they fit the definition of a cult because of the control that they have, especially the old order. I come from a very old order conservative group where they very much taught us that if you are born and raised Amish, there's no way you could ever get to heaven and please God if you don't remain Amish for the rest of your life, especially since God allowed you to be born Amish. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder, so do they have like, do they consider the Bible as the authority, like the word of word of God, or do they have other texts as well that they use? They will always answer outsiders back to say, yes, we do use the Bible. The Bible is our final authority. One thing most people don't know is those articles of faith that I mentioned earlier that was written by Jacob Amon. And so that is actually number one over the Bible. They do cherry pick the Bible. I call it cherry picking because they do base some of it on scripture. But they believe that if you follow those articles of faith, and then they use the Ten Commandments that says, honor your father and your mother. So they're very big on honoring your forefathers. So since Jacob Amon passed that down, they believe you must respect and honor those forefathers and continue in those rules in order to get to heaven. So they, they use some Bible, but they do definitely not use just the Bible and make it their final authority because they have other things they add on to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um all right. So, so with, so how does like the Amish church differ from like, uh, and just a regular Christian church? Like, I know that you don't use electricity or, or you do maybe, but I don't, what, what does the Amish in general, uh, I know that there are different sects, but is it a rejection of like worldly things past a certain date or is it? Yes. Yeah. They, they actually reject all electricity. They, they don't have any vehicles. They have horse-drawn buggies, carriages, and they believe you should be completely opposite. Now, back when they first formed, obviously there was no electricity, there was no cars, but they still separated themselves and wouldn't do the things that the rest of the world would do. They still made rules and guidelines to be separate from the rest of the people and what they were doing. Let's say they were smoking tobacco or chewing tobacco. They just wouldn't do those things because they said, that's what the worldly people do. So as today, as of today, they just reject all modern day technology. They, they say the phones, especially the smartphones, they, they really say that that is the most worldly thing you could have is a computer or a smartphone. So anybody that does get busted with those type of things, that's usually the most harsh punishment. Up to like six to eight weeks, they can put you in the ban, which is a shunning period in the Amish. But they, they very much believe that 
as long as they're not accepting the electricity, the television, the smartphone, the cars, all of those things, they believe if they reject all of those things, then they're not making themselves part of the world. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So is there is there an emphasis on being part of the world um, morally or is it mainly just like physical objects? Like obviously you won't see an, an Amish person at a strip club or something because that or, or whatever, but, but like, you know, do, do they, because I, I, I know that when I was involved in church that they had, it was like a, it was a distinct line between, uh, being of the world but it was always about morality it wasn't and it didn't have to do with like we had everything you know the gadgets and everything and um we in fact we probably had more tech than the average uh, <laughs> average person but we, it was always about morality um is it is it like that with the amish as well or is it just mainly um to do with uh technology uh mainly the, the physical things you know that's why they have okay. so many rules because they very much focus on the physical things the things you can see with with your eyeball they, they they say the phone's bad you know all these things are bad now they they do talk about you know the the morals you know they they believe that obviously you shouldn't have any sexual immorality they they do not allow divorce you know all of those things are are, are like an unforgivable sin if you get a divorce you know stuff like that so they do preach against that but as far as, as as churches that are not Amish, it's quite different because the old order Amish where I come from, they don't have church buildings. They actually hold their church services in their own personal homes. They move from one house to another and they move around. They don't believe it's even biblical to have a building on a Sunday or, or, or a certain day to go worship. Interesting. Uh, Aunt Jo asked a question. There's someone in the chat. They asked a question. Do they use buttons or zippers? Uh, that depends on from one community to another. Again, that they split off. They always go their own way. And every time there's a split, they make their own rules. Now, we did have buttons in our particular group, but I do know some very oh, scandalous. conservative groups that don't. <laughs> okay. Wow. No buttons. No button. What about zippers in your in your group? No, zippers were absolutely forbidden. They said that since all of the world would use zippers because that was a common thing, uh, and they said there was no way that you could please God and get into heaven if you have any zipper on a shirt or a pants or or even a bag. They can't even have a bag with a zipper on it. Wow. Okay. Do they? Um, I'm just picking your brain now. I know we want to get into your story, but I'm just fascinated by it. By this, um, do, do do you? Uh, does the Amish Church teach that? Um, that like the, uh, about uh, the tribulation or the end times um, or that Jesus is going to return soon, those type of things, or is that not something that's not taught? They, they do teach that Jesus is going to come soon. They do believe that. They do also teach that the end is near. They talk a lot about that. But as far as revelation and, and like the tribulation and stuff like that, they don't really go into detail. They, they say those things are not for us to know yet. But they do teach a lot about Revelation 13. They go into Revelation and they talk a lot about the beast and, and this whole one world system and how the mark of the beast. And, and, and they say, you know, tattoos, numbers play into that. They use a lot of, again, I'll go back to the physical, the physical things you can see. They really look at the things they can see with their eyeball like tattoos. And, and we were not allowed to have uh, social security numbers, which is what in America 
is when when you start paying taxes and you know, that's your identity. And so they don't even allow those social security numbers or even birth certificate, anything with a code or a number, because they immediately believe that that is part of the beast system. So I'd say out of the entire book of Revelation in the Bible, they cherry pick that chapter of 13 mm. quite a bit. And even the smartphone that we're, I'm talking on with you right now, they would they would say that this smartphone is also a part of the mark of the beast. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, what, and this is probably my last question just before we get into your story, but what is, what is the, um, translation of the Bible that is used for in the Amish? They actually force as this is the old order Amish. I know some of the more new order Amish that kind of branched off. They started using English written Bibles, but handed down from Jacob Amon was a German translation. And, and the one that we had was the 1522 Martin Luther version. And they oh, believed okay. since the 12 articles of faith were written off of the Martin Luther 1522 version, that is why they strictly enforce that. In my particular uh, Amish church, they actually strictly forbid using any English written Bible. They say that any other translation outside of that is being used by the devil to try to deceive them away from the truth. So they wouldn't, they will actually be willing to cut any other Bible up and burn them. They have no problem with that because they believe <laughs> that it's demonic and of the devil. Wow. So yeah, I actually got a video here soon that I'm going to share on my social media where uh, one of us, our form, former Amish buddies actually was on a construction site and caught some of the Amish actually taking cases and cases of Bibles and cutting them up and burning them because they were not the Martin Luther Bible. Wow. So what would happen if you had like older manuscripts that weren't in German that were in, uh, you know, written in Greek? Would they be more authoritative, even though they were, they were what was used to translate into the into the um, German? Or is that seen as... To answer that question, I will tell you my personal experience. I was trying to make a case with the Amish bishop in my community not long ago when I visited him. And I was going into like the Hebrew and Greek texts way before the Amish ever, ever existed. And I didn't get very far into that conversation. And he said... I will not allow the devil to use you to try to persuade me away from the truth. They usually cut, especially the very old order conservative Amish, they will cut you off. They will put the <laughs> hammer down. And, and I tried to then just kind of smile and still be friendly with him just to see if I can continue talking. But as soon as I started talking about how I put my faith in Christ because of what the Bible says, he said, get off of my property. So even <laughs> if you go into those earlier texts, they just want nothing, especially the strict ones. The new order yeah. Amish, I'm, I'm just blessed to see that they're starting to be more open. But these old order, I'm telling you, they are just, they're, they're a group that they believe they are right and everybody else is wrong. And therefore, you really cannot really reason with them. Right. Okay. Wow. That's very interesting. So, okay, that gives everyone a good um, update and gives me a good update of what the Amish are. Like, broadly, of course, we're not talking about all Amish. Um but could you tell us a little bit about your story growing up in Kenton, Ohio? Yeah, yeah. Kenton, Ohio was formed in, in the 1950s, early 1950s. And my grandfather was actually the very first family to move in. He became the bishop and he was one of the most, they say still today, that he was one of the most staunch religious Amish bishops known in America because of his 
stance on standing firm, the first rules that he made, those can never be changed. He was standing firm on those. If anything changed, he would get more strict rather than ever becoming more lenient. So one thing that stands out to me in my community is kind of like what I call a generational curse. There's yeah. many things that happen for many generations, like physical abuse. I saw a lot of physical abuse on me and my, my uh, brothers, my siblings, and also my mother. I saw my mother sometimes being strangled where she was blue in the face, wasn't moving. And, and that was something that I was able to find out through my grandma, which is my dad's mom. She left the Amish when my dad was just a little kid. And I heard nothing but bad things about her. But when I left the Amish, I was on a desperate search to find her. And I, within two years, I found her in the state of Florida. And when I found her, that's when I got a good insight of why my dad was the way he was, because he also was treated that way. So what stands out to me is there was many, many generations where these things were happening. You know, even depression, depression was very rampant and, and, you know, anger and rage and all of those things, because they really didn't get the proper help. They didn't have those like outside counseling and, and rehab places where they would allow you to go to to get help if you have these issues. So I, I saw a lot of, of that stuff growing up in my community, not just in my family, but other families as well. But they didn't believe in getting help from the worldly people. They thought those mm -hmm. are the people that are of the world. So you shouldn't go call them. Even if there's a crime, you're not supposed to call the law, call the police because those are the worldly bad people. So they they really just kind of kept it in the church. So now I'd say that's why my community had, you know, much more bad stuff that I saw growing up than maybe some of the other Amish communities. Yeah, I I I I uh I, I see that's a that's a big thing in in a lot of churches actually where because if if you consider yourself if you consider your like your group as like the moral authority like at least you're the ones who are doing the right thing and then you know you, you of course you look down at like the police and stuff because they're not in the same group as you so it's it's actually quite an easy way to think that and of course it's quite quite easy to think that i can see and and being part of a really uh, uh recluse society like the amish it would be it would be i can see how that would become a, a big problem or, or uh, yeah. Uh, so but you, you grew up in a large family. Is that right? Like um, many brothers and sisters and. Yeah. In, in my uh, family, there was 10 of us, but that was kind of low. The average was usually around 15. And my grandfather, my dad's dad actually came from a family of 20 kids. Wow. And all 20 kids end up with 10 plus kids. So the one day when I was uh, trying to add everything up, I realized pretty quickly that I had over 3,000 second and third cousins. And when it came down to just first cousins, I actually had 385 first cousins. <laughs> <laughs> That's so... So you could visit, you could almost visit a new one every day of the week, uh, every day of the year. And it would almost take you a year to get through all of them, of your right. first cousins. We, there, there was enough of us former Amish now where we decided to have a Yoder reunion on my side of the family. And I remember we were laughing and, and just kind of got a kick out of it because when we got there and we tried to get the word out on social media, we didn't realize that that many had left the Amish, but just the former Amish that had left the Amish, there was 150 of us. 
<laughs> so, wow, that's amazing. So um, I, I remember you you mentioned uh, in one of your live streams that the um, a part of I guess your testimony starts with your grandmother actually leaving the Amish. So can you can you explain how that's relevant to your story? Yes. Yeah. My grandmother, she left the Amish, obviously, before I was born. My dad was still very young. And so the reason I went in search of her is because I wanted to hear I'm a, I'm a type of person. I want to hear both sides of the story, not just one. So yeah. growing up, if somebody leaves the Amish culture, the Amish faith, they are looked at as given over to Satan. They're now of the world that they can't please God. They're not going to go to heaven. So for that reason, I, I heard nothing but bad things about my grandmother. It was so negative. You know, she gave herself over to the devil and she was bad to my grandpa. Oh, just all of those stories. So when I found her, I found it very interesting to listen to her side of the story and how there was sexual abuse. There was physical abuse. And there was so many things happening where she wanted to say something to the church. And in the Amish religion, they do not give the women any voice. The women are silenced in the church. They are not to speak in the church. You must consult your husband, the man at home. And so when she tried to say something to the church about this abuse from my grandpa, then they just didn't believe her. They would have believed her if he would have confessed like he's supposed to. But she was telling me how he would deny all of those things. You know, they get a maid when a baby's born. So when my dad was born, she would tell me how the, their niece came over to be the maid to help out at the time because of the newborn. And then she, she found him doing a sexual act with the niece. So now you're talking about incest. So she tried to bring that up to the church and he won in that case. He said, no, she's making this up. She's unruly. She's a bad wife. And so the Amish got to where they actually punished her for lying. They was not buying her side of the story. So she got to the point where she was so upset and so angry. She says, I'm not going to stay here and keep putting up with this. Very few women would ever be bold enough to do what my grandmother did. And that is to just put an end to it. And she got a hold of some outside people outside the Amish community and just secretly planned to leave. And that is another thing that my dad obviously struggled with growing up because he was very little. He couldn't understand why mom just disappeared. But she just mm -hmm. took off and vanished into thin air and nobody knew what happened. Well, the church obviously realized pretty quickly that she had left because she was not going to tolerate this stuff. But then they definitely blamed her. They said, oh, now she's definitely guilty. She's definitely running from her problems. She don't want to get caught. And so they obviously used that as she is the guilty one. And that's why she left the Amish and ran away. Yeah, right. Because she could never be seen as a... um as like righteous leaving uh that situation because she's leaving the amish right. uh so that that sent your dad into like a depression right and um mm -hmm. and then he he kind of continued the circle of abuse for a while yeah he uh my grandfather actually and, and i was so blessed to have known this information when i left the amish because growing up amish i always saw my grandpa being single but he always had this chiropractic care that he did. And every time we were there and he had a patient, it was always a woman. And I always looked yeah. back and I thought, why did he always have women only? Like he was always you know, wanting to look up their dresses and just he was a what I would now call as a sexual predator, to be honest with you, because he was just doing this practice 
to try to fulfill his own sexual desires. And after speaking to grandma, that is when it started all making sense. Now, my dad, he had obviously been beaten as well physically, and he was trying to make sense of some of that as well. So my dad growing up was doing the same thing to us. You know, we, we saw some pretty severe uh, physical abuse, but my, my father was, was probably the most depressed person I've ever known on the face of this earth because he was he was hurting in here. He was in pain mm. trying to figure everything out. He was trying to sort everything out. So he actually, at a very, the earliest memories I have, I remember my dad being excommunicated from the Amish church because he went to alcohol to try to numb the pain, the stuff that he was dealing with. So his depression and his alcohol and everything, the church didn't help him through that. They started really kind of uh, excommunicating him for long periods of time. And they said, you know, you're, you you just don't want to repent. You're not turning from the alcohol. You're not turning from, you know, being depressed. And he had all these problems, but they didn't know how to help him. Yeah. <clears throat> And is there anything they could could do in there? Like, obviously, I don't know what your perspective on uh, depression is, but, um, you know, how, how could the Amish help in that situation? Like, what like what could they have done anything? Like, what was their advice? Well, usually in situations like that, they, they sit down and they try to just fellowship and talk and say, hey, we're here to listen. They do kind of the count, counselor mentality, I should say. But it's not professional counseling. It's, where, it's not to where they put you on a medication and, and try to help you through that depression and try to get a better understanding. Maybe get, maybe get together and pray for you. Th those things were not happening. And so by adding weeks and weeks and weeks of punishment and putting him in the ban, Ashley drove my dad even more crazy. He went even into more deeper alcoholism. So I, I would probably say half of the time growing up in my Amish home, my dad had to he was shunned and he had to eat separately. We always saw dad like this little table over in the corner of the kitchen where he was eating separately because when you're baptized as a church member and you break the rules, like drinking alcohol, like my dad was, the other baptized church members, like my mother, she could not eat at the same table. She can't hand him something. She can't hand him uh, a fork or a plate or anything like that. So do not even mom, eat with someone who calls himself mm -hmm. a believer, but lives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, she was from. very much following the church rules right to a T because her dad, my grandpa, was the bishop. So she very much wanted to please her daddy, the bishop. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so uh, eventually, um, you told this story. I wonder, I wonder if you can you'd be happy to uh, talk about it. But um, you talked about this time uh, with Elvin, your brother, um, and when, when you were on top of a silo. Um, and your father was, uh, was, was, uh, beating him with a two by four. Is it right? Yes. Yeah. We, we, there's many different, uh, times where I saw my, my dad physically beating on one of my siblings, but that one there was probably the one that stood out. I could never get that out of my head because I was up in the silo trying to feed the cows, throw some silage down. And we had just filled it up almost all the way to the rim. So I'm way up at the top of this thing. And it was nothing new to really hear dad yelling and one of my brothers yelling and they're back and forth and, and then hear, hearing dad beating them and, and then hearing them cry. But this particular day, I could hear the sound of my brother Alvin kind of the breath went out of him like that, that, that groan where this is not normal. 
So mm. I look over the side of the silo and I could see him. My, my father obviously had been drinking and he had a two by four in his hand and he was, he was just wailing on him. And, and what stood out to me is it, it almost seemed like he was wanting to kill him or something like an animal, you know, tr- just whacking him right over the head. And I remember I, I just had to do something. So I went flying down the silo so fast. I mean, within seconds, I was at the bottom. So I would yell really loud to try to distract my father. Now that, that would be a bad thing normally because I knew he would chase me and he did, but it was worth it because I wanted him to turn on to me so that hopefully I can save my brother Alvin's life, which I did. Uh, he, mm. he was unconscious for a while. He, he was hurt pretty bad, but I was able to distract my father. And then he came ran, running after me and I went up into the hayloft in the barn and was able to hide somewhere and got away from him. Yeah, I, I know that uh, when I was listening to your story, I actually, um, it actually brought back some stuff for me because when I was younger, my mom was in an abusive relationship for a little while uh, and uh, she used to get beaten up a lot. And I remember, uh, I remember there was a specific night that, that, that I just, I just, I woke up from it and I could, I could, I could tell it was different. And anyway, I, I escaped, I jumped out the window and we went to a neighbor's house at like two in the morning and called the police and stuff. But, um, I know that feeling of like, oh, like, oh, they're arguing, like just, it is, it, you know, another argument. Okay. Like for me, I was like, all right, I'll roll over, go back to sleep, like try and sleep through it or whatever. But but then there was that moment of like, no, no, this this feels different. This feels like sh- like I need to intervene here um, yeah. and to get help. I know that, and that really that really uh, that really touched me um, when I heard that part of your story because I could relate to it. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. not to the same degree, but but um, so you 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 would have grown. Grew, sorry, you would have um, you would have grew up. Um, you would have grown up. Sorry, uh, fearing your father a lot. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, most, especially my younger years, we feared him all of, not just me, but all of my brothers. We, we feared him to the point where we would take a different route around the barn or not take the same path because, well, we, we never really knew when he would snap. And, and especially when he was drinking, we would avoid him the best we could because we just never knew what was going to happen. And, you know, especially mom, we want to defend mom sometimes when we were too young until we got up in our teenage years we couldn't really do anything. Here, here's another thing that I want to point out. If we would have just known that you could call the law, you know, we're, we're in a secretive little Amish religion and, and you don't know that there is this law enforcement, the police officers that, you know, we, we, look, we viewed them as dangerous, bad people because of how, what we were taught. And, and if we would have known, hey, we could run to the, to the outside people and, and call 911 and, and dad would get arrested. We didn't know that at a young age. So we're mm-hmm. sitting there. We're believing that the Amish lifestyle is what is right because that was what we were taught. So, you know, the, it was up to the church to try to do something about it. And obviously they didn't have the right resources in place to help him. So it got to the where it, it just spiraled, spiraled out of control where the abuse on mom was so bad that sometimes I thought she was dead. I mean, she was unconscious. I don't know how many times. One time she actually locked herself into the bedroom. And he couldn't get in and she used the deadbolt. And then he came in the house and he had the sledgehammer in his hand. And then he just beat the door down. You know, everything broke to pieces. And he still went in there and dragged her out of there. So it was just no stopping him. There was like no limits. But when we did get older up into the teenage years, there was a few times where we used clubs, like four, four or five of us boys used clubs and bats and 
broom handles and, and we were able to one night when he was very drunk, uh, we, we stopped him from beating mom. We actually beat him down to where he wasn't moving. Right. Uh, what a, what a absolutely harsh living situation to grow up in. Um, that's, that's brutal. So it makes sense. You mentioned actually that if you, if you probably still be Amish, if you grew up in a loving, you know, <laughs> environment, um, are you glad though, that you're not Amish? Are you like, are you, are you happy that, uh, that you're out and that you can drink Mountain Dew and, um, things like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I enjoy my freedom. I have never regretted leaving. Uh, I do believe it would have been much better. I probably would not have been tempted to leave the Amish if it would have been in a different environment, different family, maybe different Amish community with less rules. But I still believe the way I the way I am, I think because I'm not very good at, at letting people have power and control over me and have rules in place. So I think I probably still would have left even in a different community so I could have, you know, the Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's all about the Mountain Dew. Uh, so at what stage, like, what stage did you start thinking, like, I can't do this. I'm going to leave the Amish church. And and what was, like, did you think at that time that you were leaving your family as well? Or, like, what is that, what is that process mentally like? I knew I wanted to leave as early as 12 that I, I remember having thoughts of wanting to eliminate myself from this family and this life at age 12. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how I would ever even do that. But as the years played out and I turned into 15, 16 years old, then I was ready to attempt something. Uh, even though I was taught that you would just go to hell, there's no way God would be happy with you. you could never make it to heaven, heaven if you left the Amish. I still was at the point where I thought, well, hell would certainly be better than what I'm going through here. So at age 16, I tried to leave and I got caught. So I got beat severely for that because I attempted to leave and nobody from the outside really wanted to help because I was underage. I was a juvenile. I wasn't 18 yet. So at one point, and I, I knew I wanted to leave. I just felt like it was impossible now to ever leave. So at one point I knew I was going to get beat for this, but I actually took my rifle and I went back into a wooded area. We had a ni nice, large wooded area, two different woods that we had. And I just went in the middle and made myself a, a makeshift tent with some with some uh, boards and cut down some trees. And, and I had my dog with me. And I would I would hunt and live off the land. You know, I had a creek there to, to drink water and, and I could shoot and kill my own animals and survive. And I did that for about two weeks. That was my happiest time all alone. Nobody yelling at me, nobody beating on me. I had food, I had water. I was, I was at peace all by myself. That might sound lonely to some people, but that was my happy moment. That was my peace by just being alone and, and having nobody bothering me. And I, I was, I was able to survive and I was happy, but I knew when, whenever I do go back home, it was going to be severe. I would probably wasn't going to be able to sit for a month because I'm going to get beat. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. How old were you when you ran off into the woods to do that? Uh, that was right when I attempted at 16 to try and run away. So I, uh, I believe that was, it's either 15 or 16 because I was right at the time where I felt, I felt almost like trapped. Like there's just no mm. way now I would be able to leave. So I just wanted to have, I thought a couple weeks in the middle of the woods away from everybody would be worth a beating. I just wanted peace for a couple of weeks. And then when they find out that, that I had uh, tried to escape or, or wherever I was at, then I would just take the discipline and deal with it. And, and that's, that's why I did that. Cause I just really didn't think 
I knew I had to wait until I was 18 because I had some non-Amish friends that said, hey, when you turn 18, then I can legally give you a home by law. I can take you in. So I'm like, oh, wow, man, that's so far away. And, you know, I just I just felt like, man, I, I want to leave now and I just want to escape all of this. And and so, yeah, I, I was a wreck for a while just trying to figure out how I could just eliminate everything. Wow. That must have been how did you how far into the woods did you go when you when you when you left? I was, I was pretty good. I, I was like an Indian. I, I could go back into the woods very far and I had no fear. I, I knew how to survive. I would say in, in about a hundred acre woods, I was probably about center. I was way deep in there. Wow. Could you, is there anything left there? Like would, if you went back there, could you like find the spot that you stayed or is it not really? I used to go back and find the spot many a different times, even after that, because I used to, that was, that became my, my comfort zone. Like yeah. in, in the past, after that, I would go revisit that, that area when I saw where I had my boards and had the leaves for, for when it, if it rained or whatever. And, and that became like, if, if I was, if I was depressed, if I was going through some things, instead of running to a human for comfort, that was my spot. That's where I would go. Wow. That's, that's actually, I'd love to see if you ever make it back out there again. Uh, that's a great TikTok idea. I'd love to watch that TikTok, which uh, reminds me, I will promote it later, but you have an amazing TikTok that we answer every, in every which question. So, um, so, so when you actually, when you actually decided to be, what happened when you actually decided to leave when you were 18, how did that come about? Well, obviously, in my particular group of conservative, old order Amish, you cannot make that known because some of the Amish in America have a season where you can go explore the world in the very old order. We, did, we don't have that option. So you're told, and if they catch you, there's some pretty harsh consequences. You know, they'll ship you off even to other Amish communities that they're affiliated with. And they'll make you sometimes for a long period of time, six months to a year, where they try to reprogram your thinking if you got caught trying to escape or leave the Amish faith into the world. So I knew for that very reason that I better not make it known. So I would continually try to speak to some of my uh, non-Amish friends. Which we called everybody else English that is outside the Amish. So my English <laughs> friends were willing to help me and they told me and I trusted them that when I turned 18, that, that they would help me and, you know, pick me up and get me out of there. So I obviously planned all of this completely secret. And I guess some of the, uh, some of, some of the signs, I guess, I didn't know I, I was doing it, but mom could tell that I was, moms know everything. Like she knew that I was different. I was acting a little different, I guess is what she said. So I was laying there that morning before I left. And I had just turned 18 and she came up. I had my head buried underneath the covers and, and my uh, Amish mother just told me, she said, if you are leaving and giving yourself over to the world, she says, you are not welcome out here for any of the other siblings to see you in the worldly clothing. She says, if you do come visit, you can, but you have to have your Amish clothes on. You got to have a hat on to cover up, you know, worldly haircut and all of that. And she said, you cannot drive a vehicle, a worldly car in here. You must park it somewhere and walk. So she put some rules in place thinking that I was leaving. And I remember thinking, how does she know that? <laughs> Something triggered her off where she, it tipped her off where I might not have been acting right. She could see like moms just know that. But I remember how surprised I was because I and nobody had asked me if I was even leaving at that time, but I, I had secretly planned it. And of course, I was 18 and I knew that my English friends told me 
that at age 18, by law, I can make my own decisions. I can speak for myself because the Amish adult is not until they're 21. We couldn't have our own money until we're 21. You don't get married until you're 21. Uh, so I, I started learning that I have rights at age 18 if I escape and get out of the Amish. So I knew that they would uh, they would be willing to pick me up, and that's what happened. So they picked me up, and, and I left. And, of course, I waited quite a while before I went out because I knew there was rules. I had to wear my Amish clothes. So I waited a while before I went back out to visit anyway. <laughs> wow. Uh, I've got a couple, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a couple of questions. Um, one from D. Uh, how did you meet the communities with, uh, with English friends? How did you meet people and communicate with his English friends? Uh, Amish, all Amish, no matter what order they are, they all do business with outsiders. Uh, they do construction for them. They do, they sell, buy, sell, trade. Uh, they are, they're always doing business. You know, we milked a lot of cows and we would sell a lot of that milk to the non-Amish milk stations to make cheese. So there was constantly English folks around us. So I was able to make friends with a couple of them. There was also a pallet factory where they made wooden pallets just right next to our Amish farm. So that there's where I met my buddy that was willing to help me leave the Amish because I would always go and, and speak with him about my problems and let him know when I, when I was in upper teenage years. And, and that's that's how I really was able to escape because if it wasn't for anybody willing outside the Amish to help me and, and plan my escape, there was just no way that, and that's also one of the reasons why there's very few women that leave out of my Amish community because the women are not out in the workforce. The women are in the house. They're cooking. They're cleaning. They, all of our clothes were homemade. They made all of our clothes. And so cooking, canning, you know, the vegetables, gardening, all of that stuff. So the women really don't have that opportunity if they ever had thoughts of maybe leaving. And that's why my community, I'd say there's over 100 guys now left and one female so far. Wow. Uh, did your community practice uh, Rumspringa? That's that season that I mentioned earlier. That is the Rumspringa is the the German word for running around. Uh, it's it's ah. running around season from the Amish that practice that usually do that from about age 16 through 18. And my Amish community do, does not even fellowship or have anything to do with those <laughs> Amish that practice that because they say, why would you let your youngsters go experience the world, the evil people, because you got to protect the Amish religion. So my group would not allow that, but that's what room spring is. It's a season of going out and basically sowing your wild oats and party and experience the world. Yeah. I, I always found that, that idea funny. Um, Cause it's kind of like, it's, it's like sinning, I guess for a little while, like that seems right. funny, weird to me. Um, our marriage is arranged. No, the, the marriages are not arranged, but in in my group, we had to stay in our church, in our Amish community. You had to stay in that group. Now, if there are other churches that we were affiliated with, with a similar rules, ordinances, you could date somebody and get married with some other church that has the same rules, the same church ordinance, but they didn't want you to go outside of that. So they didn't necessarily arrange and say, Hey, you, you got to, this is the woman for you. You got to marry this one. It wasn't like that, but they wanted you to stay in that church district. Even if it was your cousin in my particular group, you couldn't marry a cousin. 
that that was going to be my next question is is there you can marry cousins is is that was that yes. was it frowned upon or was it just totally a-okay no it, because of their small communities where you're related to mostly everybody they, they're completely fine with it usually second cousins is what they want you to do but several times it was first cousins you know my my own twin brother he he married his wife and she never had to change her last name it was yoder <laughs> okay is there uh i'm not sure about this um but uh, like i'm not sure but is there any chance of um uh deformed births with marry like ha with having babies with your cousin is there chances of that there it was actually very very rare to be honest with you in, in my community i remember of two down syndrome mentally challenged uh, where you would think it would be higher because of of that kind of uh you know whatever you want to call it uh, inbreeding or whatever so there there is actually very very little that i saw I, I only remember two the entire time i was growing up until i left the amish at 18 and they of course they took care of those themselves in the amish homes and until they passed away the one didn't la didn't live past like 20 years old i don't think mm. My, my wife and I are currently, uh, uh, we, we went through IVF and we we're about to have our first baby um, and just learning so much about birth and labor and everything. I'm curious, what is a labor like for someone in your, in the, your old Amish community? Do you guys go to a hospital or is it all at home? Yeah, it's all at home. All, all 10 of us siblings were all born at home naturally. We never went to a single uh, hospital. Some of the other Amish groups in the state of Ohio have went to hospitals that are more open to that. But I can tell you that in, in my group, very old order, it really sunk in when I went out to the Amish cemetery and saw all of those stones that had the the couple's names, the married couple's names. And then it said the name of the stillborn baby, stillborn, 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 all the way down mm -hmm. through there. And that showed me why they, they say you should always trust God and give it to God. And, and if, if the newborn baby don't live, it was God's will. And they just go bury it. So it's all natural, all at home, never went to the, in my family, my mom, there's two sets of twins. My mom never knew when it was twins. She never knew if it was a boy or a girl until birth. And they do have midwives, what is called a midwife, where they come over and they help my father deliver. They're, they're more educated. They've done it for a while and they try to educate other women that are married. Uh, and they're the only ones that are allowed to participate in that because anybody that is not married is not supposed to have any sex education. They're not supposed to know any of those things where babies even come from. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that's um, that's that's sad about the still stillbirths and and uh, that. But um, so back to you first leaving the Amish. Do you remember the day that you actually left? Oh yeah, I remember that. I'll never forget that day. It was October <laughs> okay. 11, nineteen ninety eight, because that was the day of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what, yeah, tell us about that. Like, what was that like? Well, my heart was beating. I, I was very nervous because I didn't want nothing to go wrong. And, and everybody was supposed to be going to church. And I was trying to get up real early. I wanted to, to escape. And uh, I, I started wondering, is my English friend really going to show up? You know, and I knew I couldn't take a bunch of possessions. I just wanted to get my immediate belongings, something I can carry just in a bag. And sure enough, he was right on time. He parked down the road from our Amish farm and I went running. I remember the freedom I felt as I was leaving and I wanted to look back. It was so weird because I was like, why am I not looking back? Why am I not missing 
my family, my home, my, I could not look back. I, I was running to freedom. And when I got to that vehicle, he turned the music on and I kicked back and I just felt the freedom. And I just, yeah, it, it was never, I never looked back. I never, I just, it was, it was a day of freedom that I'll never forget the feeling, you know, to, to just be free. And, and I, it was just so comforting. And I just, I couldn't thank him enough that he actually did show up and, and pick me up. So it was a, it was an awesome day. The rest of them went to church because it was on a uh, Sunday where they would go to church and the rest of them all went to church. But two weeks before I was going to leave, I was actually supposed to get baptized in the Amish church where you would make the oath to follow the rules the rest of your life. That is a That oath is considered more severe of an oath than a marriage oath. But wow. I had, I rode a bicycle and got busted. You're not, our community was not allowed to have even a bicycle because that is way too worldly. So <laughs> I took the neighbor's bike that didn't even have rubber tires on it. This thing was a raggedy old bicycle and, and I got busted with this thing. And therefore I disqualified for Amish baptism. That's, that's really where, where I knew I, I'm not going to tolerate this. I mean, if, if a bike is too, but because the other Amish in, in our, not far from us had bikes and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're telling me that I can't please God. It's way too worldly to have a bike and I can't get baptized, but Amish just up the road, they have bicycles. So it just didn't make any sense. Wow. Um, so, oh, wow. So I, I just, do you remember what music was playing when you were in the car, uh, in the radio, the radio, uh, when you were yeah. leaving? Yeah. Uh, there was a, a George Jones song on, and then after that, he was just flipping through some of the channels. Garth Brook, country. I'm still a big country fan, but <laughs> not, I would say it was only just days when I was out. I heard this, it's mainly for, for girls, for kids, and it was called the Spice Girls. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I remember hearing that song, and I mean, it just tickled my Amish ears. I loved it. <laughs> yeah when i was growing up um that was uh, uh everyone in my school loved the spice girls and that, i think it was one of my first um first bands i ever liked the spice girls um yeah it's, 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 they're, they're good stuff they're good stuff um i got a few more questions uh d is just coming in with the questions could w women cut their hair or shave no no our in our group of amish we were taught that you should always remain the way you are uh, that's why the, the women were not allowed to shave at all. Uh, the, the hair cutting was something that they have had probably since Jacob Almond first started the Amish. You, the women could not cut their hair whatsoever. That is wow. something that had to be untouched. And then when they put the caps on, they roll it up into a bun and then they put the cap over that. But if any woman, it was so severe, if any woman got caught even touching their hair, cutting their hair, tampering with it, that that was such an unholy thing that was probably the worst punishment a woman can get is if they cut their hair they just wasn't allowed to touch their hair at all wow so their whole life they grow hair how long does their hair get does it uh, when I, just before i left the amish my sister she was 12 years old my oldest sister and her hair went all the way to her ankles wow wow and so and no one can shave their legs or their armpits or anything like that. It's just, wow. Okay. Um, that's interesting. What holidays do they celebrate? 
Uh, they have different holidays, some holidays of their own. Uh, Christmas is something that stands out to me because we're, we're like almost to Christmas now, but they didn't believe that December 25 would be the, the birthday of Jesus. So they believed it was two weeks later on January 6th. And that is when they would celebrate Jesus' birthday, but it was no presents. It was no trees, no lights, no Santa Claus. It was fasting. Now you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of food involved, but they did fasting and they did this, this German prayer book that they have. It's called the Oshbund. I remember that. And then they would, they would literally do like uh, rituals like that, you know, where they would fast for a whole day. And that's kind of how they celebrated that. They did have Thanksgiving where they had meals, they had some food. So that was very similar. They did Easter. They, uh, they believed that that was obviously the resurrection when Jesus rose from the grave. So they did also celebrate Easter. But as far as 4th of July, Independence Day, Labor Day, all of the, they, they thought those were all pagan. They didn't do anything for those. Right. And do, do the Amish have a traditional perspective of heaven and hell, as in eternal paradise and eternal punishment? Yes. Yes. They do believe that there is a hell and there is a heaven. And they believe that, and it depends on which group, of course, my group believes that it, the only way Jesus would open the door, maybe they don't, they're not even sure of their salvation. They believe there's the only chance that you might get in through Christ is if you're Amish first and through that church. So, but they do preach that there is a heaven and that there is a hell that is eternity and will never, never end. Right. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so uh, you talked about seeing uh, your father with your diary. What can you talk about that a little bit? Because you were writing in your diary. Was that is that right? Before you left. Yes. Yes. There was this uh, non-Amish lady that used to come out during the holidays, and and we didn't want to be rude, so we would receive whatever they would give us, and one of them was a allowed us to have My, that and and i started writing down a lot kind of like i said earlier about the woods when i would just escape and go to my happy place i started realizing wow i can write my daily thoughts in this thing and, and just like pour it right onto these pages and that's what i started doing for roughly two and a half years that i did this before i left the amish so i'm just writing everything when i'm angry when i'm mad i'm using german cuss words and i'm i'm angry at dad this day and mom said this day and i got spanked and beat because my brother did this and, and they couldn't prove who it was and i mean all of those things all my pains my hurts was poured out into these pages so when i left the amish i went down to work with my buddy that picked me up which worked at that pallet place and, and I'm working there at that this pallet place with already non-Amish clothes on. And it was the day after I left. And my dad came walking down there. And I just remember the gut feeling that I had when my father is standing there with his hand open. And he had my diary in his hand. I was like, oh, no, I should have took that. But I know God didn't want me to take that. He wanted my family to see what was in that diary. And I remember my dad couldn't hold back his tears. He started crying and I just looked at him like, oh, I wish he didn't see all that bad stuff I wrote about him, you know, but he needed to read it. Mm -hmm. He needed to see it. And he did. And he just came up and he just said, I know why you left the Amish because I was such a bad dad. And I said, no, dad. I said, the church, the rules. I tried to blame everything else. Obviously, you know, some of the abuse and all of that had something to do with it, but that was the first day he actually looked at me and said, son, 
I do love you. See, the Amish don't use in their Dutch, it's a low German dialect. They don't use love in their vocabulary. So it's way too sexual to hug or to say, I love you. That's a worldly sexual word. But that day when he said that, anyway, I knew that he was sorry, that he felt bad, that what had happened to me and all that he had put me through. And that is actually really when our relationship began because we secretly started because he was still drinking. He was still kind of an alcoholic and I would pick him up and I didn't care if he was an alcoholic. I didn't care if he was drunk because I was starting to drink myself at that time because I was not Amish <laughs> anymore. So we, me and him started like secretly having a father-son relationship off and on when mom and the church didn't know about it. Wow. So yeah, that, that must've been, that must've been such a surreal feeling to, to your relationship to start as you're kind of leaving that world. Um, what was your relationship like with your dad at that time? Like when you, when you were, you would catch up and he'd be drunk and, you know, and you were out, was it good or was it, you know, did you have still have problems or? No, no, we, we actually didn't even discuss the, those bad days when it was bad. We discussed the good days because when my dad was being shunned by the Amish church, he would always go to work, drink and, and get drunk. And my mom didn't like us brothers working with him for that very reason. But I would always bring up, hey, dad, remember when we did this and we broke some Amish rules together? And you know, we would talk about that and laugh and giggle and joke. Yeah, the bishop didn't know we did that. And, and I, could, I could go into a few stories on, on some of the things. You know, at one time he was drunk and took me on a plane ride and talked this English person into giving me and him a, a, an airplane ride. And the church wow. had no idea. <laughs> and so, That's so good. One time he figured out how to start up a dirt bike and he rode his dirt bike and crashed it and wrecked it. And he had to make it right with me. <laughs> so there was some heavy moments and we would talk about these moments. But, you know, I, I got into some heavy drinking at that time and me and him drank together. And, uh, of course, sometimes mom and my older brothers it would, would discuss, hey, why is he missing so late in the evenings? And they started wondering where he's at. So there was some periods where I didn't hear from him for a while. But. Overall, I would say that was the first time that me and my dad actually had a relationship to where I didn't have that like fear, you know, all of my life mm. growing up, I didn't know when he was going to snap. I didn't know when it was going to be brutal, you know, maybe a beating. And so now all at once I felt more like loved. I felt more secure around him without fearing him. And so everything started clicking up to five years, right? At, Cause I left in 1998 and by 2003, he had a back injury to where he stayed home on Sundays and, and he told me about that. So I would go out there. I had already met my wife uh, on the picture here. And uh, so my wife would go out with me and, and I'm glad she got to meet my father. And we was just having a good time. And then mom kind of suspected something and started leaving my younger brother at home on a Sunday when she went to church and that kind of ruined it. So she started sneaking out of the house and we started having a very good relationship. And then one day he said, you know, I, I think I'm going to leave the Amish like you did. And I thought, wow, are you serious? He said, yeah, I, I think I'm going to leave the Amish like you did. In, uh, and I, I just thought, well, it's just me. I'm just one son and he's got all the other siblings and mom. He's really, I didn't really want to believe it at first, but I thought, man, boy, that, that'd be pretty cool. And I also thought, well, he is a severe alcoholic that might be a problem. I probably have my hands full, but I was willing to overlook all of that 
to just have a relationship with my father. I didn't really care how brutal it might be, how drunk he might be, but I was willing to have my father and have a relationship with him. So he, he, he set a date. He set a date and he said, this Sunday, and I believe it was uh, uh, June 23rd, 19, or 2003, it was five years after I left the Amish. And so on Saturday, 24 hours before I was supposed to pick him up, I'm all excited, my wife's excited. And we were in, in, a, in a local town called Lima, Ohio, and we were uh, getting ready to get a big, bigger vehicle, like an SUV with a third row seat, because I wanted to make sure that I have a big enough vehicle to, to get dad where he needs to go. And my wife can get him, uh, you know, help him get a job and get him to point A to point B because he didn't, he didn't have no license or nothing like that. So we are there at that car dealership trying to make a deal. And I get a phone call. And it was the most horrible news of my entire life. I got the news that my dad had took his own life. And I remember they said that he, the English people called 911 when they found him, when he shot himself. And they called 911 and there was a helicopter that had airlifted him. And I remember I was right there in Lima by St. Rita's Medical Center, and it was only a few blocks away where the car dealership was. And I remember looking up and I saw the helicopter landing. And I just knew that that was him. So I rushed over and I got there before any Amish people got there. And I signed paperwork to do brain surgery because he was still alive to do brain surgery to remove. But the doctor, I told the doctor to be honest with me and he, he was honest. He said, there's just, he's pretty well brain dead already. So there's just no, it's probably a, a barely a 5% chance that, you know, he would pull through. So he was, when they found him, he was alive with, with, with obviously a really bad injury, but they, they discussed how he was praying and he was, you know, saying, Hey Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry what I've done all of my life. He was confessing everything. But even though he did that, the Amish really felt like this is a, an unforgivable sin, I guess, because he did end his own life that they so, still go ahead. So he, did he shoot himself and then was praying after he shot himself? Like he was still conscious. Yeah. Yeah, my, oh, wow. because the Amish don't have phones, so it took a lot longer to get uh, the ambulance and, and all of that, the call 911. So because of that, they they literally, my the rest of my family, I know I talked to two brothers that were on the scene and just some of the stuff that he described, I'm not even going to discuss it on here, but yeah, what, what stands out to me is how he was praying and they heard him pray. And he was literally confessing everything to Christ. He was confessing that he was wrong. He was confessing that he's a sinner. And he even asked God for forgiveness for what he had just done to his own brain. So mm -hmm. he, he, they hear him praying that, you know, that he's just really sorrowful and, and was feeling bad. But looking back, I will say this. I think my father was very, very confused. Do I go after Eli Yoder, my only son that is not Amish? Because I love all the other 10 siblings, too. It's got, it had to have been very confusing. Yeah. You know, do I go with my own, only son that's not Amish or, or, and, and I, I figured he would, because he sounded like he was going to, because he wanted to be free. He wanted to be free from the depression and all of that. And he knew if he came with me, I would let him drink. I, he's free mm -hmm. to do whatever. So I thought that would be enough, but I guess, you know, he just, maybe confusion over the years. I've obviously struggled with, wow, what, wonder if he would have done that if I, if I didn't offer 
maybe, maybe, you know, me offering that to help him out, maybe that caused, but I stopped blaming myself. I'm not going to go there because it, it was just one of those things that for many years I, I couldn't figure it out. And I used to sit out there. That's really when I became a severe alcoholic at that time, because I used to buy cases of beer and just sit out there, lean up on, on my dad's tombstone and, and dump a whole bunch of beer down into the ground. And I'd sit there and just drink. I remember one night my, my wife and her friend w- was both with me and, and they were bawling and walking away and they got in the car and left. And I'm sitting there at the graveyard just crying and drinking with my dad and talking to my dad. And afterwards, what stands out to me is my wife said, I left, me and my friend left because we can't watch you hurting like that. And I thought, I was having a good time partying with my dad. She goes, no, you don't understand. You need counseling. You need, you need help. You're, you're, we, we can't see you like this. It, and then I realized I was hurting my wife through that. And I thought, man, I, hmm. I, I don't want to do what, what my dad did. But it was my only, at that time, it was my only way of trying to cope with, with the pain of, of trying to understand and make sense of why this, this unfolded the way it did. Mm. Wow. Um, that's so that's it. That's incredible. Did, do you remember the moment that your father actually passed? Was it in there? Were you there when he passed or was he already dead when you arrived? Um, yeah, he was still alive when, when I arrived and signed the paperwork and then they obviously put that life support machine on him, which kept his body alive but mm-hmm. he became brain dead. Yeah. So that allowed all, you know, the, the word spread and all the Amish started showing up. The Amish family started showing up and he, here I'm there first, you know, but, mm. but still they all started showing up and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have Amish clothes on at that time. So what is my mom? What is her dad, the Bishop and everybody else? Oh, Eli, you're going to have to go get some Amish clothes or something. And it's like, really? So I had to go get some other clothes on to please them. And, and then I also asked her, I said, now I signed the paperwork to do brain surgery on, on my dad. And, you know, because, you know, I'm trying to save his life. And, yeah. and they said, well, we really don't, we, we wouldn't assign that. You know, we, we give it to God again. We, we leave that in God's hands. We would not sign that paperwork. But since you're not Amish, that, that was up to you. So she didn't really condemn me for signing to do brain surgery right away. But she immediately dives in to tell me I, I should be wearing some Amish clothes. So I went and did that just to make her happy. And I came back. And then a few days later, when enough of the Amish family was there, they decided to take him off of life support. And I remember as, as they were explaining that they're going to take the life support off of my father, they said the line, the beeping sound is going to go straight and just, and then you're going to know that, you know, that's it. And I remember I was standing there and I had hold of my dad's hand and my mom, she's standing right next to me. And she said, you know, he, he might be able to hear you. How about you right now make it right with your dad and apologize for leaving the Amish religion because he might have uh. done this because he... So she goes down the blame game road and I Oof. just looked over my shoulder and I looked at my Amish mother and I said, you know what? I have nothing to apologize to him for, but I think the Amish do. Wow. You know what to say. Wow, that's, that's, that's a great... I'm glad you did that. That's good. Um, wow. I, I tell you what, uh, Eli, you need to write a book. <laughs> I hope you're considering it because uh, it's a, it's an amazing, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing, powerful story. And, um, and 
yeah, eventually. So you're 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 a Christian now. So eventually, when you left the Amish, did you still consider yourself some sort of a Christian, um, or were you did did you believe in God, or were you like not an atheist? Were you an atheist or anything like that? Or um, yeah, I obviously would probably be the closest to atheist if if I describe <laughs> it because I I was so angry, so bitter that I ran from all religion, all Christianity. If anybody mentioned anything about the Bible, God, Jesus, religion, I ran the other way. Yeah. Um, I was at the point in my life where I, I had such a wound that I was going to do whatever I thought would please me. And I thought running after alcohol, uh, you, you name it, I did it all. I mean, I ended up mm -hmm. getting arrested. Uh, I did some crack cocaine. I did some drugs. Uh, I, I just went on a path of, well, I'm not Amish. They told me I'm going to hell. So I'm just going to have a little bit of fun before I go to hell then. That was my mindset. Mm. That's how I was thinking at that time. And, yeah. and I couldn't undo that for a long time. For 19 straight years after I left the Amish, I never picked up a Bible. I, I was a mess. I, I got down to where I had a bankruptcy in by 2013. And I was left with nothing. And then, then God started working on me a little bit. And by 2017, I got to where I kind of had this, this notion of, I'm going to go back Amish. Because I had to bend to the end of myself. Everything I indulged in, you know, women, sex, booze, everything that I indulged in, I, I still felt empty. I still came up to where I was like, I still, I'm still not at peace. What do I do? I'm just going to go Amish. Maybe I'll be happy, to, you know, being Amish because I was told that I could get to heaven and please God. That'll certainly bring me peace. And then my one of my cousins that had left the Amish, he said, make me a promise. I said, yeah, what is it? He said, uh, will, will you read one of those English Bibles, not the Martin Luther German stuff? He said, will you read one of those English Bibles? And, you know, I, I was kind of angry that he said that, but I was like, okay, I'll promise you right now, because when I read it, I'm going to show you exactly when I get to it, that you must be Amish because they taught us that. <laughs> and I'm certainly going to come across the way that you've got to be Amish. <laughs> and, and praise God, I, I, uh, that, that's, what, that's what it took. Uh, I'm glad my cousin said that because I, I went into the Bible and I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and in the book of John, I got saved because I was reading where Jesus is the only way. He's he's the one that saves saves us when we believe and have faith in that. And I just kept remember. I, I just kept thinking, where am I finally going to find this this Amish stuff that I was taught? Where is it at? And I'm not finding it. And then of course the ordinance that they were keeping with all the rules. I found that in Colossians two fourteen where it says, blotting out the handwritings of ordinances which were against us, contrary to us, nailing it to the cross. And I'm thinking, I'm about to go Amish, I thought, and I was going to keep the ordinance and be Amish. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that just said it's nailed to the cross. Mm. So again, it God was showing me that Jesus was enough. Jesus finished it. I can follow him without being Amish, without being religious. And that, praise God, is when I was set free. Wow. Wow, that's a that's a, that's incredible. Um, there was a question I was going to ask about about that. Um, I just forgot, lost my chain of thought. Train train of thought. Oh, um, th yes, that's right. Sorry, is 
was your were you with your wife this entire time when you went through like how long have you been with your uh wife uh we've been together be 21 years since we met so wow i met her just maybe six to eight months before that happened to my father so my wife was with me in the hospital she was with me through thick and thin we really actually connected and got very close during that time because she was there for me as yeah. this all was playing out and, and i'm so glad and so blessed that she was able to meet my dad and she always says how my father was just such the nicest always friendly kind smiling she loved my dad and he was the only one in the family that would, he said, Eli, I don't care what the church rules are, what mom's rules are, because her dad was the bishop, so she was very strict. He said, especially when he was drunk, he'd say this. He said, you pull that car right on in this driveway. I'll stand right there and talk with you. Screw that bishop, he said. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, so was your, was your wife, uh, did she go through a similar, if you don't mind me asking, and if this is, um, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But did, is she got, has have a similar faith journey to you? Does she have Christian beliefs uh, at the moment? Did she always have Christian beliefs? No, not necessarily. Uh, she, she was kind of, she would say she was a believer that during that time, her family, obviously they prayed and, and they said there is a God. So they were not atheists, but she didn't necessarily completely understand salvation. You know, she mm -hmm. never, they never really had any Bible studies, but once I, I did come to the knowledge of the truth, I started sharing that with her and, and educating her. And so here at the house, you know, we try to have uh, Bible studies and, and we all get to know what what the word of God says without anything else in the way, you know, without church or religion or any past or anything else trying to tell us something that is not in the Bible. Because that, that's why I'm actually passionate about the word of God now is because it's enough for me without having any religious additives. Cool. Do you, do you attend a, like a, a church or do you just mainly do those Bible studies? Yeah. Two church? miles from my house here, we, we have a local church and it is a non-denominational church because <laughs> I will only allow those non-denominationals that teach the Bible and want to teach others. And I, I have no use for any denomination that have well, we've done this for this many years. See, since I come from where I come from, I have no use for tradition. I have no use for anything that is being practiced that is not found in Scripture. Wow, interesting. Do you does your does your church or doctrine that you subscribe to? And excuse me if this is off topic, but do you believe in like speaking in tongues or laying on of hands, things like that, or do you think that was for a time? Well. I do never discredit what God can do. God can do anything and all things. Now, I have not been gifted by the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, but I can tell you that I have been to a few churches. I've been asked to preach and, and share my testimony where I literally knew that it was the Holy Spirit in a person praying and speaking in tongues is something I couldn't understand. At first, because I come from the Amish, I wanted to doubt that. But I rephrased and repented from thinking that way because I know God can, you know, the Bible talks about we can all, we all uh, as members of the body of Christ, we're all gifted. And if we know those gifts, you know, the parable about the talents, we should not bury our talents. We should use them. I'm talented with preaching and sharing the word of God. And that's what I do. But I'm not gifted with speaking in tongues, but I will not discredit someone when I see somebody speaking in tongues because I know that the Bible makes it very clear. Some can be gifted to do that. Cool, cool. 
Um, I, I'm not a Christian myself or a religious person, but I do res I do appreciate your story and uh, appreciate that you came, but took the time to come on uh, to this channel to um, to tell it. I I was hoping that we could um, move into some um, some more questions and answers, um, but first I do want to shout out a few things. So first thing I want to shout out is your TikTok people. You need to go. <laughs> so you need to go to this TikTok. And oh, it's going to ask me to, to do this again. It's so annoying. Um, you need to go to this TikTok. There is just hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands. No, probably not. But hundreds of videos of you just answering every question about the Amish. It's absolutely, it's amazing. It's, it's really good content. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating, um, fascinating stuff. And you're getting a lot of views, which is really cool. Uh, you're getting really popular. Uh, and the second thing we wanted to mention, and maybe you can talk a little bit about a bit about this, but um, you're part of uh, Amish Rescue, um, Amish Re Rescue Mission, and it started um, by putting up these posters, which taught kids in the Amish community um, about what safe touch is and what not safe touch is. So, and you actually had a story about how these 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 billboards were put up next to a school that was part of a really dangerous um, Amish community. And then the school put up barriers or the, the church or something put up barriers and then moved the building. Is that right? Can you maybe, maybe you can tell us a little bit about this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it was a former Amish uh, girl by the name of Rachel that started Amish rescue mission and made that poster safe touch, not safe touch. Cause we didn't have sex, sex education. So she was showing the red spots. So we used a, a lot of that to get that out there to show these young Amish uh, girls and boys, this information since they didn't have that. But yes, what you were talking about there would have been in, in Ohio, Eastern Ohio, where we put up a billboard for Amish rescue mission, our hotline numbers on there, uh, a little bit of scripture from the Bible and, and how they can be rescued and also the safe touch, not safe touch. And we even had on that billboard sign about you are the boss of your body. And the reason we installed that Amish rescue mission billboard there is because of what we were hearing. The, it's, it is the most dangerous Amish community in the world because of the bishop and how he strayed away from other Amish and didn't want anything to do with other Amish churches when they came and tried to reason with him, tried to get him to change his ways. He always, he's very rich. So he always just told him to leave. You know, he wants nothing to do with them. So when we put this Amish rescue mission sign up, he found us as a threat and he got very, very angry. And so what he did was he goes and puts this big orange fence up because this billboard sign that you're showing right now is diagonal from the Amish school. And he did not want to have any of the children, the young boys, young girls, victims to see this information and call us to be rescued. Because the stories we kept hearing from this Amish community was that he was even taking other men's wives from them. Because he would claim to be like the prophet Moses, like the prophet Elijah in, in the world, in the, in the Bible, like or Isaiah. And because of his teaching, many people fell for it. Many people believed he was a true prophet and that he was hearing directly from God. So even some testimonies we were hearing where men felt like it was an honor to give their wives to him to have children with. So those kind of gruesome stories that we were hearing coming out of this community resulted in us wanting to desperately put up this billboard sign 
And of course, you know, he, he's obviously very angry about that because there's a few former Amish that ended up getting out of the community and then reached out to us and, and said he has literally fathered over 50 plus children with many different men's wives in that community. Wow. They, on on uh, Amish Rescue Mission's website, uh, they have a statement at the start that says, survivors will no longer be silent on incest, rape, victim blaming, human trafficking, intimidation, bestiality, grooming, kidnapping, spiritual, physical, mental, and verbal abuse. And I love that. And it's in all caps. It's like this, you know, enough's enough. And I, I, I love that. And so you, you're involved in that. You're part of the group that, that does that now. Yes. Yeah, we, we have our hotline, 888-621-1985 for anybody that needs rescued in these communities. We put that out there. And then anybody that we always recommend uh, getting on our website to see, like you just read, uh, all the information's on there. It's the www.amishrescuemission.org. And you can actually, anybody can support us and our mission by going on our website. And there's even a donate button on there because what we do is, when somebody needs rescued, we have to send out drivers. We have volunteers as taxi drivers to go out into these Amish communities. Uh, several of them that now that we have picked up, it took three drivers to get them from one state to like two or three states over where our safe house was. And so it takes gas and we want to be able to make sure we reimburse all of these drivers. So it's it's not a, a, a cheap mission. You know, it, it's, it does cost money. We do need funding. So we always like to give that uh, website out, www.amishrescuemission.org. That way uh, people can help us and, and uh, support our mission because we cannot do it if we didn't have people already help us. we got so many people, awesome people that have volunteered to, to help us. If it's, you know, safe houses where the former Amish are reaching out and saying, hey, you know what? My house is open. I got an extra room. If you have anybody that's being abused and they reach out, we want to help them get jobs. We want to get make just make sure they're safe. And, and you know, I, I think it's just been amazing how fast it took off, really, because we didn't think when we first started it that there'd be that much support, that much outreach, but yet it's just been taken off like crazy. And now we have hundreds of safe houses all over all over the place, really. Wow. Do, do you um, have, do you have any stories of like uh, Amish uh, people that you've helped get out? Like, do you have any like stories that stick with you? Yeah. Uh, the, the first one that comes to mind would be Hannah. Hannah was uh, adopted from the non-Amish world and her adoptive Amish father wanted to adopt. We know now adopt for all the wrong reasons to fulfill his sexual desires. So she was uh, molested and raped at a very young age because some of these Amish stories that, that, that are coming out now, it, it, they adopt, I think, for just the wrong reasons. And she was even chained down. She was molested. She was raped. And then she was able to reach out to a former Amish that called me and, and got the ball rolling. We got her out of there and got her. She needed counseling. You know, we got her into a couple different places where we were able to give her a safe house. You know, we don't let the Amish know where they're at. We don't, we don't never leak that information out. We don't tell them where they're at, which state, because the Amish are known to come after them to try to get them to come back. And then Wayne is another one. He got a hold of me and he said, uh, you know, I really got to get out of there. And he told me he was of age 18 so I could legally get him out of there. And we used three different drivers to get him out. And, you know, just the stuff he was sharing, you know, beatings, kind of like, like what I endured 
physical abuse, sexual abuse, just all of this gruesome stuff. And, and that is when it's worth it, when, when we were able to successfully get some of these young men and women out of the community and get them far away from the mess that they were in. Hmm. Eli, I, 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 I'm blown away by what you and Amish Rescue Mission are doing. I take my hat off to you guys. It's, um, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm glad I could uh, give you my, my small podcast platform to spread the message a little bit. It is, we mentioned before stream that it's not all Amish. You, you still have friends that are in the Amish community that, you know, it's safe and, and fine. Um, do you do you see this? I do have I do want to jump into some questions. Do you see there's anything inherently wrong with the Amish way of life? Uh, yes, in the very conservative order, the secretive groups I call it because they keep crimes. Uh, they they say the church must take care. God's church they call it must take care of those crimes. There's no mandated reporting. They won't report those crimes to law enforcement. They have no ties with the government. Those are the ones that that are the biggest problems. Now, some of the more liberal new order, I call it, they have what's called mandated reporting and they hold people accountable. Now that I can, they actually support us. And I, we've actually gotten phone calls from some of them and they said, Hey, look, we're willing to work with you. And if you rescue somebody that, that loves to be Amish and wants to stay Amish, we want to take them in and be an Amish safe house. And we're like, what? You're willing to work with us and you're Amish. So it just shows you the difference. And there's a lot of good Amish people out there. They good hearted, loving people, and they hate evil just as much as we do. And they yeah. stepped up and they say, we're willing to work with you. So thank God for that. You know, that was such a blessing that they were willing to, to work with us. And, and if some of these youngsters that are being abused, if they feel uncomfortable to live a worldly life, because they are also taught the way I was that they would go to hell if they left. So now we can offer a uh, Amish safe house that can uh, keep them in the Amish and still go to the Amish church if they want to. But I would say the old order, very conservative ones. Those are the ones that hide these crimes and hide these abusive incest, a bestiality, animal sex. A lot of those things are coming out of the old order strict communities. It's, it's good. I think there's not much good, good can come from secrets. And I think when you have a secret society, secret group, I, I think that you have to ask why there are secrets. Um, so I think it's, it's good that there's some communities out there like that. Um, I have some questions uh, from the audience. Someone, first of all, Aunt Jo said, I'd watch that movie, Becoming English, the Eli Yoda story. <laughs> um, so uh, you might have a movie about you one day. That'd be great. Um, so uh, Dee said, uh, I heard the education is just through grade eight, keeping away from worldly subjects that would a typical child study. Is it mostly religion? Yeah, it, eighth grade is only we were all actually new order and old order Amish all keep that tradition. You only go to eighth grade. Now, again, I'll go to the strict ones where I'm from by not educating you properly. We didn't know a lot of things. We didn't know the dangers of things. I didn't know the history. I didn't know the all of these other nations, you know, Australia, Germany, you know, mention all those other countries outside the United States. I was never taught those things. We only went to eighth grade. We just learned about Amish stuff. We just learned about construction, how to build a house, how to build a barn and just the so basics. I, I you know, I, I'm imagining you don't also learn, you don't, you don't get taught uh, evolution or quantum mechanics in Amish schools. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's in uh, probably where you're from. It's probably not, doesn't get taught much at all anyway. Um, right. But yeah, if you're in the Bible Belt, right? Is that, I don't know the US very well. Is, is Ohio in the Bible Belt or is it not? Uh, I'm not sure about the Bible Belt, but it, Ohio would be about the center, like n northern 
just above us would be Michigan, and then you got Canada. So we're like in the northern part of it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, I was just saying, but I, I okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So that so is it mainly just Amish stuff? Um, do you and you don't learn history or science and things like that? Uh, some of them do. If, if it is, it's very little. I remember we were taught uh, about like the United States and we had to try to memorize every state. You know, we live in Ohio. So like, you know, Virginia, West Virginia, Michigan, all the states. So they, they taught us a little bit about our country. But, you know, civil wars, um, World War One, World War Two, how, you know, the round ball, the earth with all these other. I, I didn't know none of those things. So when I left, I was like, wow the world is so big <laughs> wow so did you think that the earth was flat at that time when you were in the amish oh yeah yeah the whole time growing up i thought it was definitely flat oh wow okay um do you believe it's flat now or do you believe it's a globe now no it's a round ball <laughs> okay this, uh, hey you have to ask these days there's a big flat earth community on the online um okay uh so some more questions just scrolling back up um were batteries allowed? I imagine not for clocks no, and such. No, in our community, no. the batteries were not allowed. Some of the New Order Amish have batteries, uh, you know, flashlights and under their buggy to have brighter lights on their buggies. But obviously the strict ones, they do not allow batteries. Can you talk about the notorious Amish food? Uh, some German names for that stuff. Uh, I, but I will, I will describe our favorite meal. That was called the Haystack. And it was about 20 to 30 different items. Obviously, the Amish are known for their good, delicious food because everything is homemade. They live off the land. They got their own vegetables. They can everything. They got their own meat. There's no preservatives in it. There's no garbage pumped into it. No antibiotics pumped into it through the cattle. It's all not, you know, homegrown. I guess you could call it organic. And so some of their meals and their dishes are just delicious. In this haystack, you could add meat, vegetables, salad kind of stuff anything you want you can reach into that table and pile it onto your plate until it's so tall it looks like a haystack that was my favorite meal <laughs> <laughs> wow um so uh they asked what did uh what did you think about when you discovered google I was pretty amazed by that. I thought, wow, Google is much smarter than the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, and this is this, like, if this is, if you don't want to go here, that's totally cool. But do you remember when you first discovered, like, obviously, you know, when I was 12 years old, I was on the internet and I would, you know, you'd see pop-ups for pornography and things like that. When, when you first experienced that, that would have been when you left the Amish. Were you just like, what is this? Were you blown away when you first saw, like, adult material like that? Or was it... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was actually kind of overwhelming, to be honest with you, because a couple of my buddies, that they could tell you some stories that that they'll never forget. They laugh and joke still to this day about it because they uh, went and rented a porno movie, porno. And, and <laughs> a VCR, and they put it into the VCR, and they, they didn't say nothing to me. They just sat back. I was drinking at the time. You know, I left the Amish, and I'm just living how I wanted to anyway, and I'm just sitting there. And they plug it in and, and they just, they're just quiet and they're watching. Now it comes on and they're just watching my reaction. I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, as you can imagine, for, for, for the icing on the cake for them, they next put in a homosexuality video where, where it's oh, like the same. Yeah, yeah. I, and that would have been go, even more confused. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have not done TikToks on that, but that was one of the highlights that they just, yeah. They were having fun that, with me. 
that's so funny um yeah it's uh it's wild what what people you can access like online now like you think about like 50 years ago you'd never see some of the stuff that you can go at the finger at your fingertips you could see so i wonder how that's going to affect society i don't know if it's uh probably a bad thing but uh, i don't know it's going to yeah, be an interesting world in 100 years when they asked me uh, i remember they were talking about the word gay homosexual and i remember i was like I, I didn't want to look stupid, but I was like, okay, what is that? And so they You're had like, to explain I'm gay. that. Yeah, I'm gay. <laughs> we, we didn't have stuff like that. You know, we didn't have yeah. any same sex stuff. So when I, when they were asking me about that kind of stuff, I'm just like, and then they'd talk about the, the women's time of the month and all of that. I didn't even know what that was. I was never taught. Wow. I was a guy. So I didn't even know that women have that time of the month and they're trying to explain that to me. You know, it was just so much that I had to learn. Was it? Once again, I'm getting very personal, but feel free to not answer this. But when you first started engaging in sexual activities and stuff, was that like a hard thing for you to like, I guess it's uh, for, for us growing up, for me growing up in, as a teenager, all us boys would talk about it and stuff and we would see pornography when I'm 15, 16 and stuff. And we get ideas from that. But but with no sexual education, like how did your first sexual experiences, were they uh a disaster or were they like something that you had to work through like what what was that like yeah it, it was i wasn't educated in that so my first thing i remember i was dating my first girl and just a couple days into it i said something to her about you know we should just go get married so that we can have sex and i remember she looked at me and she married <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm doing the amish thing and i said well don't we have to get married to have sessions she said no <laughs> and, and I, I just remember how stunned she was that i wanted to get married because i thought there was no way i can kiss her i can't touch her i can't see her naked until we're married that was my my understanding so obviously she had a lot of breaking in to do when it came to that <laughs> oh wow that's amazing uh so well eli it's been absolutely amazing having you on i just wanted to uh before we jump off make sure you go check out um eli's tiktok make sure you check out uh, amish rescue mission uh, and see all the cool stuff they're doing um absolutely awesome and for those who uh, are new to deep drinks podcast here we the guest chooses their favorite drink and we drink it um together and coming up, we have some fun episodes. We have purity cult, uh, purity culture horror stories with Feral Pastor's Wife, which will be really fun. And then we have the uh, Q&A special with Derek Lambert, the Derek Knows Everything Christmas special, which is going to be, he talks to a lot of Bible scholars and um, scholars of religion, and we're going to be asking him all the questions throughout the year. So that's going to be fun as well. Um, but make sure you go over to uh, Eli's uh, TikTok and also Amish Rescue Mission and donate if you can and help support them in any which way you can. Um, I've just got one last question that someone's asked. Uh, um, uh, have you considered partnering with Rain? Rain is the Rape Abuse Incest National Network. I have not heard of that. I wasn't aware yeah. about Rain. Is that in like an organization or? Uh, I think so. Um, Rain might be able to help them reach more people, and, um, and Arm can fill in the gaps where Rain is missing. Hmm. It, it must be. Yeah, maybe it's something to look into. Um, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, 
I'm sure it's good rape abuse incest national network. Okay. It might be something that you can pass on to the good folks at Amish rescue mission. Um, and maybe it's something that you can call partnership, but thanks everyone for, for tuning out. Eli, is there anything else you wanted to say before we leave? No, I, I think, I think that's about it. I mean, it, we just basically, thank you very much for having me on. Cause I, I love to make awareness and any, any kind of awareness like this, where we can get the word out there and, and my biggest desire is, is to help those, my people, the Amish, you know, we just because of what I went through, I, I don't hate them. I'm not bitter at them. I love them enough to where I, I wish all of them would be willing to work with Amish Rescue Mission because we want to help those that can't help themselves and give a voice to those that were silenced. And uh, I, I just wish that there was more more help out there to help those, especially in the very strict communities where we could literally help them to freedom and, and get them to heal because I know how much healing I had to do. And, and it, it was, mm. it's a process. It's like layer after layer that you got to peel off. So I know there's a lot more cases. We, there's only a few that we know of. And I know there's a lot more cases out there that we don't know of. And that is, that is why I appreciate uh, podcasts like you here to, to have us on and to try to make awareness and talk about it. So I really appreciate you uh, having me on. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Aunt Jo said that they're going to message you on TikTok about rain. Uh, so maybe they've got a contact there. But thank you so much, uh, Eli, for coming on. I'll play the outro and I'll see you in the back room. But thanks, everyone. See ya. All right. Thank you.